Hey everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And we're here with another episode of Fallen Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. Alex, how you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. Nice, nice. So am I, so am I. Got, had a nice bright and early day today. Yeah. <laughs> Made some mistakes, decided that, man, it'd be cool to watch a football game at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> Not really so certain about that now that I'm half asleep. Just woke yeah. up from. Yeah, you know, got that got that good nap though. So yeah, it helps. It does. It does. So I, I I'm ready to talk about honestly a company that we've really ha- should have talked about a long time ago. What are the most interesting companies out there, Alex? How do you feel about Ubisoft? Oh. Hmm. So you have a lot of thoughts. So many thoughts. <laughs> um, I think there is some, not an astonishing number, but a few genuinely amazing games to have come out of Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're a garbage fire of a company. Yes. Yeah, that's, I think that's good, short, succinct, um, a statement about how I think both of us feel about Ubisoft because I think I more or less share that. Mm. I spent a lot of time over the past couple weeks thinking about Ubisoft uh, because I agree they are definitely a trash fire of a company. But like we've talked about a lot of companies on this, we've talked about Square Enix mm. um, and the craziness that goes over there. We've talked about Capcom. Uh, we talked about Konami, whatever the hell Konami is nowadays. <laughs> uh, but we somehow have not managed to talk about Ubisoft, who I think honestly topped them as far as not only just like sheer weirdness of that company, mm. but even most recently, like as far as like just sheer output of like kind of weirdness in general. Yeah. Ubisoft is Ubisoft is the French Capcom. Yeah, I think mm. that's accurate it, it's the french capcom of like the 2000 of 2000s capcom i think honestly it's even older than that i think Maybe, it, yeah. it's like 80s and 90s capcom and here's the reason why i say that ubisoft is like they have so many astonishing franchises that have been very um inspir- like uh that a lot of uh, other companies have like aped like their mm. uh, design philosophy from. Right. Like if you really sit down and think about it, they have Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. They have um, uh, Splinter Cell, uh, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, uh, so on and so forth. Like, I mean, they even have like Trackmania and stuff like that now. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes them very Capcom-like though is that they have this ability to make a franchise or take a pivot with one of their franchises that's like... Something that a lot of companies are like will look towards for like inspiration really will just change the industry. Mm-hmm. And then in a very Capcom like way, they will make a million sequels that are the exact same thing, mm-hmm. just being incremental upgrades, but not necessarily like pushing the bar for it until you were just absolutely tired of them. Yep. Yeah. But like take Assassin's Creed for instance. Like Assassin's Creed Two is like a high watermark for that series. Yes. Fantastic game. Yeah, absolutely great. Absolutely great. But, like, it doesn't really do much past that. Right. Like, you get to Assassin's Creed 3, and it's kind of a somewhere thing. 4 has boats, and that's neat. Yeah, 4 is, like, the one weird exception, 
where it's mm. like almost a different game for at least half of it. But mm-hmm. then they get over that and go back to making the same game over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, so like they kind of keep doing that sort of thing. And then eventually, you know, they, um, uh, they made Assassin's Creed Origins and mm-hmm. they had this major pivot towards this more RPG like system that people absolutely loved. And now right. they're running that into the ground. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, that's just sort of what Ubisoft does and while they're doing that they're also fending off buy-offs uh having some of the weirdest controversies around them some funnier than others some yep. more just depressing mm-hmm. uh, to the point that like it's it's hard not to look at any aspect of ubisoft and be in and find them incredibly interesting whether it's for good reasons or for bad yeah and alex I have neglected to talk about any of their franchises up until this point, but today we're going to change that. All right. Because, Alex, we're going to talk about maybe their least controversial series. That's not Rayman anyways. Okay, (laughs) well, (laughs) unfortunately, Rayman's slightly more controversial than it should be. Oh, geez, right. Yeah, I actually just forgot about that. Okay, well... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's Far Cry to say that this franchise has felt a lot of controversy as we talk about Far Cry today. Yay. Boy, that was tortured. Um, Alex, how do you feel about Far Cry? I like Far Cry a good amount. Um, I think I've only played the first three. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So you you have played maybe one of my favorite first-person shooters ever, Far Cry 2, a bad video game? Yes. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) We're not going to be talking about Far Cry 2 today for reasons I will get into, but okay. oh my god, I love me some Far Cry 2. Far Cry 2 is an incredible prototype for Far Cry 3. Like, once you've played Far Cry 3, you can see all of, like, the ideas of it in Far Cry 2, mm-hmm. but oh my god, what a just, like, what a weird game that's not sure what it wants to do or be. Oh, yes. Oh, just... <laughs> I have an entire spiel for Far Cry 2 that unfortunately is just not going to make it into this episode. But yes, it is a fantastic game. And like Far Cry 3 is also fantastic. So yeah. is Far Cry 4, even though it's it's more or less just Far Cry 3. Right. And Far Cry 5 is fun, even though it's just kind of Far Cry right. 3. Right. And in Far Cry 6, I've heard is um, Far, Cry like 3. Far Cry 3. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's basically the Ubisoft model. Yeah. Writ- large and it's, um, it's the reason i didn't play any of them after three because i heard there were like three and i was like well i played that mm-hmm. and yeah it you really i mean i will say you maybe did miss out on a few things but not enough for you to really really be like care that much <laughs> right yeah and like so the other thing or the thing that's kind of unique about Ubisoft in regards to running a franchise into the ground Mm -hmm. is they don't run one franchise into the ground at a time. Mm -hmm. They do multiple, yeah. Yeah, and they've gotten sort of notorious for, like, you know, the the open world sandbox Mm -hmm. is what they pioneered with Assassin's Creed, and then they just kept doing that with Assassin's Creed, but they also kept doing it with every other game that they started to make. Yeah, the Ubisoft model of making open world games is one of the most fascinating things I've seen and maybe one of the most detrimental things to the entire company. Yeah. Because 
Yeah, like you said, they they made a lot of innovations with how to do like open world exploration with Assassin's Creed. Like you ascend to a tower, you find that unlocks a piece of the map that right. shows you all a bunch of side quests. And they went and everyone went, that's a really cool idea. And then they went, yeah, we agree. We're going to put that into Far Cry. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to put that into Watch Dogs. Uh, and I think there's a component of that in Ghost Recon as well. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and I they constantly do that. Like Far Cry's like Far Cry 3's like clearing bases and whatnot, maybe mm-hmm. to other games. It's it's this interesting thing where they're like they're more than happy to take bits and pieces from the other franchises, like stuff like the things that work, but then it makes it really homogenous and right. kind of makes things very stale because you're like, oh huh, you did this here as well. Right. And so I I fall into this pattern of like I'm not going to play every one of all of these games, but I'm also not going to play like an Assassin's Creed every once in a while or a Far Cry every once in a while. I'm going to play an Ubisoft game every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely have fallen into that. And, and to be fair to Ubisoft, they have done some very interesting, you know, side projects like the Mm. Ubi arts games, such as child of light and whatnot, or, they have not found the way to put a tower to track mania yet. <laughs> yet. Um, give them time. So it's it's not like they do this with every single one of their games, but for the right. AAA titles, their big ones. The, yeah, the big ones get this. It is, yeah, it's shocking how they find a way. But that's not the reason why I want to talk about Far Cry today, because mm. obviously this is a narrative-focused uh, podcast. I find Far Cry's story, or um, <laughs> attempts at stories, to maybe be some of the more interesting in the first-person genre, if not video games as a whole. Hmm. Uh, and the reason being is for how they handle the player, character, and villains. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this is not going to be true for the first game. No. But starting from Far Cry 2 and on, there's going to be this big idea of having a central villain who's going to be very involved in the story and have the game basically just rotate around his pers- his or her personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it starts in two with the jackal, continues in three with Voss, mm-hmm. four pagan men, so on and so forth. Uh, to the point that they factor heavily into the marketing, right? Uh, to the point that a lot of times they won't even talk about the main character until like it's close to release. They're like, right. no, check this out, mm-hmm. <laughs> check out who we got for this game. Um, and I find that very interesting. I, I don't feel like other first person shooters go nearly that hard. As yeah. far as, like, featuring the villain as being the central focus. Right, yeah. Now, because now it's going to be very interesting to see how this series does with that, because I'm going, to, I'm going to posit that for all but one game, they completely fail at that. Mm. They will have these central villains, but for one reason or another, they will just cut them out from the legs. Yeah. Some games more dramatically than others. Yeah. But yeah, so that is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, the funny thing is, though, is that we're actually not going to be, um, the games we're going to be talking about today don't incorporate that at all. In uh-huh. fact, they're going to be, uh, it's going to be a very generic first-person shooter story. Yeah. But we kind of got to get this out of the way because it's going to establish where Far Cry is. And then once once we once we establish who was behind it and whatnot, you'll kind of understand why there's going to be such a strange pivot toward mm-hmm towards this more villain-centric sort of story. So, to start with, Far Cry is one, one of Ubisoft's most successful series in general. Um, starting in 2004, continuing to the present day, last game, Far Cry 6, was released last year in 2021. 
But once again, spawned multiple sequels and an Uwe Boll movie, which I forgot about. Oh, yeah, that did happen. Yeah, I've heard it's one of his better ones, which doesn't mean it's a good movie. No. It's not offensive. How's that? How about that? Now, these games ended up being incredibly popular, and it's not hard to see why. Uh, not only because of the things we just talked about, but uh, they're open world shooters where you get dumped into exotic locales, such as Africa, Southeast Asia, and Montana, uh, which... Uh, May not seem that exotic, but when you're from France, I imagine it does. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you go there to shoot a bunch of people with wild animals, all while the games look incredibly pretty. That's the one thing I got to say about Far Cry, mm -hmm. even going back to the very first one, like looking yes. through footage of it. It's like, man, this game actually looks really good. Mm -hmm. Like, not everything about it holds up, but eh, not bad. So they tend to share, once again, very fun, emergent gameplay. And once again, have another thing in common, that their stories are hugely terrible. Yeah. Now, we've already kind of touched upon how they tend to have, like, a villain-centric sort of approach, but Far Cry stories also have this tendency to be very bold and ambitious with their storytelling, or their storytelling topics. Mm -hmm. um, anything from dealing with the American militia cult culture in Far Cry 5, or being overly serious and trying to have a Heart of Darkness-inspired story in Far Cry 2. Right. They often, though, end up completely failing to make their point, and oftentimes will completely undercut it. We're going to get into mm. that once we get to Far Cry 5, the, their attempts at trying to tell a serious story and how the marketing this decided, <laughs> actually, this might not be a good idea. Right. But yeah, uh, they are, in short, once again, games that are a lot of fun to play with disappointing stories, but go in very, very interesting directions with this. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about these plots today starting with Far Cry 1, and any other cool stuff that, of course, comes up along with it. And in order to start with that, we need to go back to the beginning, Alex. Because mm -hmm. with most games, we got to talk about how, uh, how these developments started. And funnily enough, the first Far Cry wasn't developed by Ubisoft proper. Nope. Rather, it was developed by a little German company called Crytek. Alex, how do you feel about Crytek? At this point, I don't know, because I've stopped paying attention to them. Uh, I have no idea what Crytek is now. I, I like Far Cry 1. I think that's a fun game to play. And I think mm -hmm. the first Crisis is a fun game to play. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I played any of their other games. I have. I've, I've, I've played Rise, Son of Rome. Ah, uh, right. That was what they made. Yeah, not a good game. Yeah, Crytek is a company that is, I would say that they're coding wizards. They're incredibly good at making game engines. Yes. Yeah, and their claim to the fame is that they're going to make engines that are very good at making open world spaces, dense with foliage, uh, mm -hmm. with excellent lighting sources, models, and whatnot, that really will stress a system for like years to come. Right. Crisis itself was used as a benchmark for years, and funnily enough, so was Far Cry. Right. Um, and as I understand it, Crisis can still be used as a benchmark because it doesn't do multi-core threading. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how many, getting a little technical, no matter how many cores your computer CPU has, which is the primary way that they're getting faster now, uh, it's mm -hmm. only going to use one, which that particular number is has been fairly static for decades now so um 
the the cry engine one does not run a whole lot better on modern hardware than it did 10 12 years ago this is very true although the good news on that is that they've recently redone crisis to Mm. uh, if i remember correctly to accommodate for this now right but they've also thrown in so many more graphical effects that it actually could still be used as a benchmark. They just went, <laughs> right. we're going to just use it to demo all our new stuff we're throwing into CryEngine. So. Right. But yeah, an excellent little company that kind of grew astronomically large after the first Crisis came out mm-hmm. um, a little bit too fast, and then they had to close yeah. a bunch of support studios. But they're currently making Crisis 4, so we'll see what the heck okay. happens with that. Yeah. But before all that happened, back in 1999, before Far Cry was even a thought, three Turkish-German bro- three Turkish-German brothers decided they wanted to make really cool open worlds with graphics that would rival, if not surpass, what was currently on the market. On the market at that time was Unreal Tournament and Quake 3. Uh, games that looked good at the time, but definitely haven't aged well. Nope. So in order to secure some funding for this, Crytek put together a demo that was shown off at E3 in 1999. This little demo was called Exile. That's X-Isle. Uh-huh. Dinosaur Island. Alex, have you ever heard of this demo? I don't think I have, no. It's a neat-looking demo. It's about 2 minutes and 30 seconds. I'll, I'll probably link to it in the, in the show notes. It's essentially what it sounds like. It's a real-time demo that basically shows a sweeping island with a bunch of vegetation and dinosaurs just kind of rumbling around it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find good footage of this nowadays. Most of it is about from 14 years ago and like 360p. But Mm -hmm. And it doesn't look impressive at all. It's when you realize it's from 1999 and you go, oh, this actually looks really nice. Like, Mm -hmm. um... They have, like, really nice water effects and whatnot. Like, the dinosaurs look, like, reasonably high poly. There's a lot of there's a lot of trees, which trees were very, very difficult to render without completely crashing your system uh-huh. if you did a lot of them. So it really turned a lot of heads. It specifically turned the heads of two separate companies. First was NVIDIA, the graphic processing unit giants, uh, who were currently working on their newest graphic card at the time, which was the GeForce 3, back when mm. they were in single digits with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they thought that was cool, so they actually signed a deal to include Exile as a benchmarking test for their upcoming graphics card. So if you would buy it, you could load up uh, Exile and be like, look how cool this is, look how good this runs. Mm-hmm. Um, GeForce 3 wasn't released until 2001, so that should kind of show you just like right. how impressive this thing was. The second company was Ubisoft. Now, Alex, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Ubisoft in 1999, but boy, they were a different company then. Yeah, uh, my only familiar... Well, let's see. I played Rayman 2, when that Mm. was a thing. Um, I played Tonic Trouble. (laughs) So yeah, you know what? I was was fairly familiar with Ubisoft in 1999. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they were an interesting company because, yeah, they were making things like Rayman 2 and Tonic Trouble. Uh, but they were also like they were still a major publisher at that mm-hmm. time. But instead of like doing a, like publishing their own stuff, uh, they had a split between not only like having in-person like in-house development, but also signing contracts with other companies to develop things. Uh, right. Some of this was like pretty minor stuff, like publishing ports of various LucasArts games Um or doing, like, weird licensed titles based off the hit movie X versus Sever. Oh, uh, God. 
<laughs> but yeah, they also would go and sign deals such as the one they did with Crytek, who they were like very impressed with this demo. And they're like, hey, do you want to make a cool AAA first person shooter for us? And they're like, yeah, of course. So they started on the game that would eventually become Far Cry. Uh, you don't get points for guessing where the name Far Cry comes from, by the right. way. Uh, Crytek is, um, let's call it an original with not <laughs> only their plots, but also with their naming conventions. Mm -hmm. So Far Cry is a very beautiful looking game, even by 2004 standards. Yeah. And a lot of it has to come down with the way the game is designed. Uh, a lot of games around this time were very linear level based uh, shooters, uh, even with things like Half-Life coming out. Uh, but there was still a very heavy emphasis on openness with this particular game. You could approach different enemy bases and whatnot from different directions. The islands were pretty darn open in general. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, if you did like actually move through the islands, you were moving through a ton of vegetation that was like very, very heavy and like the AI would actually use for cover and whatnot. So it was quite impressive with a lot of other games at the time, which were usually not in order to actually you know get them to run decently on any sort of machines would just try to avoid all of that mm -hmm. now in order to accomplish that crytek modified the exile engine into what is now called the cry engine uh, once again two major features being the open worlds and the ability to do a ton of vegetation now this game got good reviews and according to crytek by 2010 eventually sold 2.5 million copies but i think this game is actually kind of forgotten about now mm-hmm and that's probably because it was released in 2004 for the PC only, alongside two other bigger first-person shooters. Yeah. Uh, it was the same year Half-Life 2 came out on PC, and Halo 2 came out on the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a good year to compete with. Not a good year to compete with. Uh, still, though, this game was a success, and it's going to put Crytek on the map. Now, with that setup. Let's talk about the story of Far Cry, but actually before we do that, what is your experience with the original Far Cry? Because you said you played it. I did. Um, so I played it to a very specific point that I can remember exactly where it is. Um, mm. My experience was I had a lot of fun. So the, I had a lot of fun with it. I very much like the open world. I like the way that you could approach things from different directions, uh, use tactics and surprise uh, I thought that the the vehicles were maybe not the like the most fun to control, but the way you could use them to sort of change the way you approach things was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the guns were pretty fun to shoot. I thought the enemies were fun to fight against, and mm -hmm. all all in all, yeah, it was a pretty cool open world game. And then there is a plot twist halfway through that throws most of that in the garbage. Oh, yes, and I can't wait to talk about that that plot twist, because it it's is, very... <laughs> it was not the only game of its time to have a plot twist of this, or to suffer the consequences of it. Yep. Yep. It's amazing, too, because we're going to get to this plot twist, and um, when we do, like, you know, I I'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah. So, yes, the story of Far Cry, released in 2004, it takes place in the modern day in the waters surrounding an unknown Micronesian island, as we see our two main characters, Valerie Constantine, a reporter and, and a mercenary she hired named Jack Carver. And Jack Carver is going to be our main boy throughout this. Jack is a man with a mysterious past, formerly a special forces operative who is a burned-out shell of a man due to the things he's seen. 
We are never told the things he's seen. Yeah, his plot, his story doesn't really come up or matter. Yeah, no. Um, he has one emotion, and that's called anger. Mm-hmm. And I had to, and Valerie doesn't really have much of a personality either. Uh, no. It's actually, it's actually hard to overstate how generic these two characters are and look. Yeah. Like, they are both white brunettes, like with Valerie having that 2000-style Jennifer Aniston bob cut. Mm-hmm. And, like, Jack has, like, short, overly gelled, slick-up hair. Like, he does have the defining feature of, like, liking red Hawaiian shirts, at least. So right. has that going for him. Although best... it's a first-person shooter, so you never see the red Hawaiian shirt that he's wearing. Yeah, never do. <laughs> they look like models straight out of a full sale ad asking if you'd like to learn how to make cool video games. Yeah. So... The game opens with them on a sailboat, and Valerie just leaves on a jet ski, and then the boat gets blown up by a dude with an RPG, sending Jack flying into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> like, comically. Yep. He's, he survives somehow, washes up in the beach, and then almost immediately everyone wants to kill him. So this island is occupied by a bunch of mercenaries led by an angry dude. Everyone's angry in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one exception, actually. Wearing a Civil War cavalry hat for some reason by the name <laughs> of Richard Crow. His main emotion is also anger, and his Merc team is on a job to protect a scientist by the name of Dr. Krieger. So, Dr. Wilhelm Krieger is a former Department of Defense scientist who was working to make combat soldiers stronger, but then the DoD found out he was doing this by conducting unethical human experiments. So, the DoD cut ties with them, and Dr. And Dr. Krieger had to, like, do something slightly less unethical, which was become a businessman. <laughs> so he earned a ton of money, bought a private volcanic island, and then set up a research facility in a volcano base. As one does. As one does. After this, he also apparently gave a press conference about all of this, where he was talking about how this would be the future of humanity. He bought a private island so nobody could see the experiments he was doing, and that nobody should interfere, which I guess raised zero red flags. Sure amazing i'm sure the dod wasn't tracking him at all not at all <laughs> now we learn all about this when jack gets a hold of a radio and starts talking to another scientist by the name of doyle doyle has been apparently working under krieger but decided to betray him when he learned that krieger had a real unethical plan called part project far cry <laughs> so, so stupid here's our dumb twist so he decided to continue his unethical experiments, and it turns out these experiments involved creating a super soldier syndrome using his own DNA. Now, he tests this out first by injecting it into monkeys. This created a super monster called the Trigen, which are loyal-ish to its creator, as Dr. Ke uh, Krieger says, because they have his DNA, and so it locks something primordial in them to follow his lead. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you start fighting these things halfway through, and um, I guess, spoiler alerts, when when Crytek goes to make Crisis, they're going to do the same thing, just uh -huh. with aliens. It's really silly. It's it's really silly. The aliens work out slightly better. The, cry, the Trigen suck. They do, yeah. They're just like weird, fleshy-looking like buff monsters that run around like really funny-like. It's, it's yeah, bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad. So yeah, Krieger does that, goes, this is a massive success. I made weird, messed up looking monkeys. And so he starts injecting the mercenaries with him. Making them also to even gianter messed up looking things. 
So Jack rescues Valerie from the mercenaries, who reveals she isn't a reporter, but a CIA agent. She reveals this while Jack is hanging onto the side of a helicopter that is out of control. And like she like goes, we have to jump from the helicopter. Kicks him in the face to kick him off the helicopter and jumps <laughs> off after him. <laughs> yeah, so she, they wash up on the beach and she's like, yeah, I'm a CIA agent. I'm here to stop Krieger. We need to team up. And so they, they do that. So the first thing they do is they track down Richard Crow and kill him. Who reveals that if anything goes wrong on the island, Krieger will just detonate a tactical nuke and cover everything up. This gives Valerie the great idea of detonating said nuke. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Yeah, right? That'll like, do it. What's funny, though, is like Jack's not on board with the plan. He's like, not, I think this is a bad idea. But Valerie's like, it's okay. It's a tactical nuke. It's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> This is enough to convince him. <laughs> so he's like, okay, sure, why not? They busted the Krieger's base, not his volcano base, though. Another mm. Krieger base. Then off the nuke, but not before Doyle calls him, telling Jack and Val that, hey, if this nuke goes off, the mutant gen that's, you know, causing people to become trigen, it's going to release in the air. You probably should take a vaccine against it, which is what they do. Uh, they escape the base, it explodes, Jack gets knocked out, and he wakes up on a helicopter with Krieger who immediately tells Jack that humanity sucks, he's going to replace him with the Trigens, especially now that he's taught the Trigens how to use guns. <laughs> and they're going to all follow him in his new vision of humanity, which I guess is just him and a bunch of messed up looking, uh, weird half monkey, half men flesh monsters. It seems like a bad plan, but he's the one doing it. Pushes him off the helicopter. Cool. Yeah. And so Jack fights off a bunch of Trigens who now use guns, and he so notices his arms are becoming green because he's been affected with the mutagen. And like Doyle called him and was like, oh, it must have been too late. I guess you need to get the antidote that only Krieger has. Better go find him and rescue Val. So Jack sneaks into the volcano vase, rescues Val again, murders the hell out of Krieger, uh, who turns himself into a giant Trigen. Now, right after this, a hologram of Doyle literally just shows up in the middle of the room, <laughs> and he goes, good work! By the way, I have the mutagen now and the real antidote. I just convinced you to actually just inject the mutagen into you instead. So you would just turn to, you know, Trigen. It you know, wouldn't bother me or something. Uh, and now I'm going to take all this and sell them on the black market, making millions. That sucks, huh? Oh, it looks like Val's dying from the infection. Guess, uh, guess that's going to suck for you, Jack. Anyways, bye. <laughs> So Jack doesn't take this well, and he runs through the now exploding volcano base, chases after Doyle, catches him up, shoots him in the lake, and as he approaches, Doyle tells him they, they will always be watching it. He can't change the future. Jack then just says, well, you won't be a part of it, and shoots him in the head. He then gets the antidote, escapes via boat with Val, hears her, and that's the end of the game. There's no ending after that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, just cryptic warning leading to nothing. Yes. And um, I'm going to spoil this. They're never going to follow up on that ever again. Rad. Yeah, that's Far Cry. Um, it by itself is maybe not the craziest first-person shooter story out there. It's honestly very generic by early mm. 2000s standards. Yeah. And honestly, I would probably have skipped over it quite a bit if it wasn't for what was coming up. Because you see, Alex... When I first decided to do Far Cry as our topic, I was mm. like, this is going to be a nice two-parter. Uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of issues with this. I'm familiar with most of the games. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that 
oh, the next Far Cry is not Far Cry 2. Uh-huh. It turns out they've made three other Far Cry games before then. Mm-hmm. And they all are exceedingly stupid. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. They're stupid in a way that I don't understand why they did it. <laughs> okay, I'm excited. Yes. Alex, are you familiar with Far Cry Instincts? Very, very barely. Yeah. When I relearned about this game in the process of researching it, I went, oh, right, that was on the Xbox. So Far Cry Instincts is a game released in 2005, one year mm -hmm. later. It's not developed by Crytek. Crytek is only going to develop one Far Cry game, and that's the very first one. Mm. Now, the reason being is for, honestly, not that controversial reasons. Ubisoft wanted to port the now successful Far Cry from PC to consoles. There were two minor problems with that. One, the engine that allowed for the expansive open levels of Far Cry was just mm -hmm. too much for the consoles of the day. Right. So they needed to pare it down somehow. The second problem was that the company that developed the game, Crytek, was in negotiations with Electronic Arts to create an entirely new series and had no interest in making the console port. Mm. So Ubisoft just took everything in-house. They made a deal with Crytek to create a fork of the CryEngine uh, so that they could work on it. Mm -hmm. This would actually eventually become the Dunia engine, which is still used to this day. Right. Uh, and they went, well, what if we just remake Far Cry for the Xbox and call it Far Cry Instincts? Mm -hmm. So that's what they set out to do. Now, because they had to make the levels a lot more linear and cut back a lot of the other finer details that were in the original Far Cry. Right. They decided to completely overhaul the plot. Okay. And boy... <laughs> they made some decisions, Alex. Oh, boy. So the plot roughly follows the original Far Cry, but there's some major, major deviations. Okay. To start with, all your favorite characters are back, albeit some far more fleshed out backstories, mm. starting with Jack Carver. So Jack is no longer just an angry man, but an angry man who commits a lot of crimes. Ah. Yeah, he's a former Navy service member who was discharged after criming. Okay. After which, he went to Manhattan and became part of the black market's weapon scene down there. I don't know how much of a weapon scene is in Manhattan. I'm a law-abiding citizen. Seems like an odd place. Mm. But hey, that's what he did. Now, his weapons unfortunately get some mafia members killed, and instead of deciding to stay and die, he flees to Micronesia to become a drunken boat captain. Something that is actually in real life far more common than you think. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Yeah, <laughs> Some wild stories of Americans fleeing the law to their end, <laughs> for some reason, Nicaragua. Yeah. Uh, so Valerie is here, too, although she's now known as Valerie Cortez. Um, I, oh, okay. Yeah, just decided to change her name for some reason, but that's OK. Uh, she's basically unchanged, except it's even clearer she's not a reporter. She's a little she's basically more out and out CIA and is also more willing to just murder people. OK. Uh, Richard Crowe is now an ex-South African colonel who used to serve an apartheid regime down there. So, you know, basically everyone's just a little bit more fleshed out. Okay. So, because of this, it's, we're going to do more of a Cliff's Note-style update about this game, mm -hmm. uh, rather than go through the entire plot. But, in short, the game still starts off with Valerie posting as reporter, convincing Jack to take her to the island of, of Jakutan. The okay. boat gets blown up by helicopters this time, and Carver is contacted by Doyle. 
Uh, turns out this time, Val is here to rescue Doyle, who's now a CIA operative, here to spy on Dr. Krieger. Since Krieger, this time around, is trying to make a serum to unlock the latent feral instincts of humans. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's the early 2000s sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Krieger wants to make cat people. Sure. Now, Carver eventually gets this serum and has to inject it in himself to survive, giving him feral powers. Now, Jack uses his newfound powers to kill a bunch of mercenaries and monsters made by Krieger, rescues Val and Doyle in the process, fights his way to Krieger's volcano mansion now, mm. corners Krieger, who unleashes his best mutants, all made using the same serum Jack has, only to find out they view Jack as his leader, an apex predator. And so turn on Krieger and kill him. Jack then escapes, is picked up by Doyle and Val in a helicopter. The volcano erupts, destroying all the evidence relating to the serum and Krieger's experiments, and they fly off with Doyle promising to buy Jack a new boat. That's Far Cry Instincts. This game was incredibly well received back in the day. I okay. don't know how. <laughs> yeah, that it. <sighs> I, I actually will say it does look very good for a 2005 Xbox game. Like uh -huh. They did a very good job of paring that engine down, but. It's it's um it is very the the feral powers are as I've been as I've seen from many YouTube videos described as bad. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such it's such a weird direction they decided to go with the story. They're like, well, what if Jack has feral powers, and that that's what this is all about now? Right. Doyle's not an evil scientist with cryptic messages about how they're watching us. <laughs> it it feels very like I'm more than anything I'm reminded of the Doom movie. Mm, yeah. Um, but there's also, like, like traces of Doom 3, and um, it kind of reminds me of, like, like PsyOps, the MindGate conspiracy. There's, there's just this swirling mid-2000s mass of video game sci-fi that it kind of falls into. Mm-hmm. It, it really does. And yeah, you, you mentioned this earlier. They were really fond of, like, unlocking the primal instincts of humans mm -hmm. or primal instincts of X. Yeah. Yeah, it's really strange how everybody's just kind of settled on that for some reason. Yeah. Strange. It's strange. But I, I would maybe, I don't know, blame the X-Men movie. Mm. Everyone suddenly went, oh, man, genetic superpowers are cool. We should do that. We should do that. Yeah, yeah, it, and yeah, it totally, um, it totally makes sense why they would go in that direction, given how successful X Men was. But yeah, it it led to a lot of sci fi original movies that weren't great. <laughs> oh boy, it did it. Mm hmm. So yeah, okay, cool. They made this cool like reboot of Far Cry. Mm -hmm. Like whatever, not that bad. Now we can move on to Far Cry Two, right? Mm. No. No. <laughs> Because in 2006, off the success of Far Cry Instincts, Ubisoft decides that they're going to make a game for the 360. Oh, no, actually, this is a, no, actually, this is still an original Xbox game. My apologies. Mm. Uh, they are going to uh, do a graphical update to this that will be released for the 360s. But this this game is called Far Cry Instincts Evolution. Oh, a, God. A game I did not know existed until literally yesterday. <laughs> So Instincts did very well for Ubisoft, and the following year, they went ahead and made a quick and dirty sequel. Now, Evolution reviewed pretty strongly uh, based upon the strength of its multiplayer. 
I have to say, mm. this game actually has a very impressive looking multiplayer, and I kind of am bummed I never played this back in the right. day. Right. Uh, because it was a it was a on Xbox it was on the few Xbox Live first person shooter games. Uh huh. Um, from for the original Xbox, and right. not only did it have like a ton of like robust modes, I think it had up to sixteen players at the same time. Mm. Uh, it also had a map editor. Right, which is something like even the first Far Cry had, I believe, and it was like kind of touted. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. look at this map editor, and everyone was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and it's even more impressive they pulled it off on the Xbox. Yeah. And like, there's a night, there's like a video of them like demonstrating it out there, and like, you can put a shocking amount of objects on there. You have a shocking amount of control of like how the train looks, like bridges you can put. Mm-hmm. Um, very good feedback about if you have enough stuff for all the various different modes in the game. Right. Uh, you can build bases. Like, it's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's obviously no plot in the multiplayer. Right. And they wanted to still have, like, a single-player campaign. So they did a very short campaign that most reviewers thought really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is that this is a story that's pretty quick to get through. Okay. And it's good because, boy... I do. Let's just start this off. Far Cry Instinct's evolution starts with Jack and another woman named Cade trying to escape from pirates in a Jeep. Uh, this is actually a very strong uh, legacy of Jeep brand sponsorships throughout Far Cry that mm. comes to a head in Far Cry 2. We'll get into that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Jack like, basically gets cornered by pirates and basically does the record scratch of, you're probably wondering how I got into this mess. <laughs> uh, except angrier. Right. And we flash back to Jack in a beach bar getting very drunk when a woman in a dress that's very inappropriate for a beach bar shows up. And I mean inappropriate not because it's revealing, but inappropriate because it drags along the ground and yeah. sand out there. You're going to get that dirty. Yeah, that's doing? not great. Anyways, this is Cade. She heavily flirts with Jack in a way that should raise a ton of red flags. <laughs> but Jack is an idiot and immediately hooks up with her. So... Immediately after sex, she helps. She asks him to help set up an illegal weapon shipment, which Jack agrees to because he's dumb. <laughs> it's like, yes, hmm, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally like five seconds after sex. She's just like, "Hey, you want to commit crimes with me?" And he's like, rah, rah, "Yeah, pretty lady." <laughs> so the, shouldn't that shouldn't that be before sex? She brings that up. You would think so, right? Yeah, you would think they they would strike out the deal in the bar. He's like, well, why did you wait? She's like, are you complaining? He's like, nope. Like, oh, Jack. Just leave, dude. Just leave, man. Yeah. Don't go to the remote island to help their weapons exchange between pirates and the members of the Micronesian government. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. So they're all doing a weapon exchange and then rebels show up and kill everybody, framing Jack in the process and kidnapping Cade. So Jack has to go into hiding until he's found by his old friend Doyle, who tells Jack he's, he'll get him and Cade to a safe place if he helps him stop these rebels. Now, these rebels are led by a spiritual leader by the name of Semeru. So Semeru's big deal is that he also has feral powers. Okay. It's never explained how he gets feral powers, but he basically runs into Jack goes, you have feral powers too, but you are impure and Usually, we'll throw him off of some sort of tall cliff, so you have to go through another okay. level. Sure. That's his bit. Hit this is his big thing. Yeah, yeah. So, 
He and Doyle try to track him down, like they blow up a refinery and whatnot, but Doyle ends up getting captured, and Jack has to, Jack has to track down Doyle using his feral powers, but it's too late. He finds Doyle's dead body, and Semaru is like, you could have saved him, it's your fault, Jack. Which is like, Jack doesn't like Doyle at all. Like, throughout mm. this entire game, he's like, Doyle, I don't trust you and hate you. So it's like, <laughs> what, what do you, he's not going to care about this, and to be fair, Jack really doesn't, so... Mm. So they end up getting into another big old giant fight. He gets thrown off another cliff. But um, eventually, Jack does find and rescue Cade. Only for Semaru to show up and tell him, Ha ha! Cade has betrayed you, Jack! Uh, this betrayal is very, very stupid, though. Because Semaru is like, I said I was going to kill Cade unless she killed you first. Which is like, I, mean, I guess it's still technically a betrayal. She tries to kill you, but you announced yes. it beforehand. And it was kind of coerced, you know? Uh-huh. So, Cade stabs Jack with a knife that's laced with a poison, disabling his primal powers somehow. Okay. And Jack has to fight Semaru again. Now, this doesn't stop Jack from just shooting Semaru a bunch and then impaling him on a bamboo spike, killing him. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then Cade's like, Jack, please don't kill me. I, I had to do it. And Jack's like, oh, yeah, nah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Literally telling her, there was a time I would have done the same thing. It's just so human. Oh, God. He then runs into the jungle. What? Yeah, yeah, he just he breaks down the doors to the base and runs into the jungle. <laughs> okay, sure. I guess he goes back to his primal instinct or something. I, I don't uh, know. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that's uh, that's Far Cry Instincts Evolution, a game that I, I presumed did okay. It was a late era Xbox game. Sure. Hard to say. Yeah. So yeah, now that we're done with that, Alex... We can finally move on to Far Cry 2. Except, wait, a new console came out, Alex. It's called Nintendo Wii. It's really cool. You like the Nintendo Wii? Oh, God, I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, I love the Nintendo Wii, too. God. And you know who else does it? Does like the Nintendo Wii? Ubisoft, Ubisoft, man. Ubisoft liked the Nintendo Wii a whole lot. They did. Now, to be fair, Ubisoft likes every new console that ever comes out. Uh, True. Because they will literally release like five games for it in a way that's like, you are really on top of this in a way that's disturbing. Mm-hmm. But so, they especially like new consoles that are cheap to develop for. Oh, yes. And boy, howdy. Do they want to make sure more people play Far Cry Instinct's Evolution? So they decide we're going to completely remake Far Cry Instinct's Evolution called Far Cry Vengeance and release oh, it God. literally the same year as that game in 2006, except like in December, to coincide with the launch of the Wii. Yeah. It is, it is crazy to do this. It's also crazy because they're going to pull a Far Cry Instincts on us, Alex. Uh-huh. They're going to completely redo the story. Why? I don't know. Well, I, okay, I have a theory. Okay. The, the single player in Far Cry Instinct's Evolution, I should just say Evolution, the, the plot in Evolution is very slight because the single player really wasn't the focus of that game. Right. And so, you know, it was just kind of a short, dirty campaign that was basically Jack being like pretty girl pirates, primal mm. powers. The thing is with the Nintendo Wii is that its online presence was uh, bad. Yeah. Uh, Some might even least. say there was none. It basically might as well not have existed. And so because of that, you, Ubisoft was like, well, we're not going to make a robust online shooter for this. 
Right. So because of that, what if we make a first-person shooter with motion controls and we really expand this single-player story? Uh, Mm -hmm. And also try to make the CryEngine, or their fork of the CryEngine, work on Nintendo Wii. Oh, no. Alex, this is maybe the worst-looking Far Cry game I have ever seen. Oh, no. It is the most flat-looking textures. Like, it runs at, I think, at 20 FPS. The it, There is, like, so much screen tearing that happens. Uh, they also go really heavy on the physics engine. Everybody can ragdoll at least 20 feet into the air at any <laughs> given time. Good. Which is Good. Which is not only great, it kind of undercuts one of the endings. <laughs> <laughs> because you kill somebody dramatically, and then they just ragdoll against the wall. <laughs> But yeah, it's they made some decisions with this one, Alex. They okay. made some de- decisions. So yeah. let's talk about the plot of Far Cry Vengeance. Sure. So once again, they're basically altering the plot of the original game. So it's going to be more of a Cliff's Notes again. Okay. But the game starts at the same with Jack at a beach bar um, arguing with the bartender. Now, what's really funny about this is that they even changed this interaction entirely. Because, like, uh-huh. in the original game, like, he is, like, having a friendly banter with the bartender about how he doesn't pay his tab. And this one, the bartender, like, straight up, fe- it looks like he's going to murder him. Because mm. he just won't pay his tab. And Jack is being an asshole about it. But then Cage shows up again, wearing the same dress. Um, and, like, immediately hits on him. But this time, she's like, hey, I need your help for a job. You should come meet me on this pier. And then immediately leaves. So, yeah, okay, cool. You know, it makes sense. Nintendo's more family-friendly console. It, right. You know, uh-huh. it, it make, makes sense that they do that. What doesn't make sense is that the police walk right past her, walk up to Jack and go like, hey, we need to talk to you because you were talking to that lady. He's like, hey, man, I'm not driving. And he immediately gets knocked out. <laughs> so he wakes up in a police station, and they're interrogating him about an arms deal. When Semaru breaks into the police station, attacks everybody, and allows Jack to escape. So after this, the game more or less follows the same pass- path as Evolution, except Cade is here a lot more often. And while they're like clearly still like flirting with each other, Jack is like like clearly on her bullshit from the beginning. He's uh-huh. like, okay, what 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 is your deal? What is your right. deal? There is something more going on here. And like, but she's like, you know, always like, ah, I'm one step ahead of you or whatever. And so like they you're constantly going through the same levels to like get to this damn pier, eventually get to this pier, like the whole thing explodes, like, with, like, you know, the Micronesian government agents getting killed by Semaru's rebels and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, point is, much more Kane involvement. Now, Doyle in this game is not in this game at all. Instead, okay. his role is fulfilled by somebody named Kando. Uh, he's a member of the government who dies in much the same way as Doyle did, and Semaru still tries to be like, you could have saved him, which is like, I think, I, I think Jack's going to care even less about this dude, yeah. man. Yeah, somehow. So the game continues, but it ends in a far different fashion. So for one, Semru actually reveals that Kate has been working from with him for the very beginning, which is actually a good betrayal, unlike the bad betrayal right. we had previously. Right. And the second he does that, Kate stabs him with a regular knife. The problem is that this knife doesn't uh, shut off his primal powers. So then you get into either the good or bad ending here. Okay. Uh, Bad ending involves uh, Jack punching Cade twice, and then a third time, which ragdolls her into the wall. <laughs> in a way that okay. doesn't look right. 
and this kills her. Um, the uh, the good ending is he just hits her twice and she gets knocked out. Either way, uh, you have to fight a primal Semaru after this uh, with your own primal powers, and you end up killing him. Uh, if Kate is dead at this point, Jack just goes completely feral and runs off into the jungle. If Kate is alive, she begs for her life. As she is doing this, one of Semaru's soldiers just runs in. Uh, oh, Semaru's soldiers in this game also have been imbued with primal powers as well. Okay, sure. Semaru's just able to do that. Uh -huh. uh, and Semaru's soldier is like, where is Semaru? And Jack's like, he's dead. And the Semaru's soldier is like, oh, I guess we work for you now. <laughs> it's like, really? Okay. That's okay. how that works? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then Kate then asks, like, what, what should I do, Jack? And Jack tells her to run. And then tell the devil that Jack says hi. <laughs> and the game ends. What's, what's just that mean? I don't know. What is... <sighs> I guess he's like saying run into the jungle and die or something. I don't know. Sure. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> but yeah, that's Far Cry Vengeance. I have okay. no idea how well this game did, Alex. Probably not super well. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But yeah, this is now the final true end to this tale of Jack Carver, a weird U.S. Special Forces slash Navy guy who gets feral powers, at least in one of the stories, and then goes crazy and builds a rebel army. Something that I am sure we're going to hear about in the next Far Cry game or any of the further Far Cry games. Uh huh. Yeah, this this plot line will definitely come back ever. What if I told you Ubisoft's going to sweep this under the rug? I would not be at all surprised. That honestly sounds like the right move. It is 100% the right move. <laughs> that being said, these games are canonically in the Far Cry universe. Mm. Which, um, that's a choice, I will say. Yeah. I not, not think you should have just done a clean reboot Far Cry 2, but nope. Technically, these games are within canon. <laughs> Sure. So as we get into the incredibly serious Heart of Darkness inspired story of Far Cry 2, just remember that there may be a bunch of mutant monkeys hanging out on an island or at least a dude with feral powers leading a army with also feral powers that I guess they just don't do anything. So uh, just keep that in the back of your mind. That's just happening sure. somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's it's not the island that they go to in Far Cry 3, which unfortunately, which is very unfortunate. That would yeah, that, that would have maybe spiced it up a little bit. It would have. It would have. But yeah, that's where we're going to set it here. A bit of a shorter episode, but I, I think it might be nice to have a clean break before we get into Far Cry 2, where Ubisoft is going to go very hard to making an incredibly serious series. But Alex, how do you feel right now? I feel good. That's that was a a classical RPG romp mm -hmm. that we we just don't get anymore. Classical RPG romp. Uh, first person shooter. Whatever. It's all <laughs> it's all nonsense. Video I games would, are nonsense. Video games are nonsense. Yeah, it's the it is the most early two thousand shooter you can possibly get. Yeah. And the fact that Far Cry is actually going to go on to be such a big thing is. Feels like a miracle. I'm gonna be kind honest. of, yeah. Like it's it's honestly kind of miraculous they managed to milk that one game so hard. They really did. That's that's the reason why I really wanted to like just have this be its own separate episode is because mm -hmm. it's not that they just told like one story and they were like, okay, cool, we're gonna port this somewhere. They were like, we're gonna tell one story and then we're gonna retell it. 
Right. And then we're going to do a sequel to that retelling, and then we're going to retell the retelling? Yeah. Which yeah, is, it's good. Yeah, it's real, like, you know, galaxy brain ass shit with that. Like, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's it's amazing to the point where I wonder if someone was like, hey, what if we made a Far Cry 2 and Ubisoft was like, shut up. <laughs> we still have Ubisoft or we still have Far Cry 1. Yeah, we're just going to keep making Far Cry 1. Oh, no, these aren't going so well. OK, we're going to make a Far Cry 2. <laughs> uh, yes, but that, of course, is going to be for next week. Alex, do you have any final thoughts? Um... Yeah, so the reason I stopped playing Far Cry 1 is there is, like, a stealth mechanic in that mm. game. Um, you can basically throw rocks around to distract people, and it sucks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. It sucks. Uh, the, it, the problem is that enemies have, like, omniscient awareness of everything on the island, and so the second you start to move, they'll know where you are anyway. Mm-hmm. And it never works properly. Also, like, I think just in order to be able to navigate the wide open terrain, like, they just need that total awareness of the environment. And so just sound detection for them doesn't really work right. Mm-hmm. They'll just hear you. Yeah. The rocks do nothing. But that one section requires you to throw rocks to distract the Triogen so you can get by them because you have no gun. Mm-hmm. in that first-person shooter sec, That level sucks. There was a real big thing about stealth sections and first-person shooters around this time. And yeah, they were they're all, all bad. U- yeah, they're all universally terrible in a way that's... It's amazing that companies kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I, I think the Chronicles of Riddick game made it work, and yeah, then everyone was like, yeah, we can do that. No, you can't. It's like, yeah, no, that's a, that's a central focus of that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i i want to go back and play the original far cry i want to see how that holds up um i it I, it doesn't have like regenerating health or anything like that it's mm-hmm. very much a yep. like you got to pick up body armor around yep. which, i mean it's fine i mean we've got actually gone back to that nowadays mm-hmm. but i i would really like to see like if those first person shooter conventions hold up in a game that i've um i just you know, never have never have touched for the PC because yeah, original Far Cry was PC only. Yep, yep. So yeah, I I wonder how that I wonder how it holds up. But yeah, I guess that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. Once again, next week we are going to jump into Far Cry Two, Far Cry Three, and finish up with Far Cry Four. Alex, thank you so much for joining with me on this as always. Of course. And of course, if you enjoy episodes like this, you should go to ftb.podbean.com or search Fallen Through Potholes on your podcast service of choice. Uh, I, I would say, at this point, I would say you should follow us on Twitter, but I kind of nuked that account because of what's going on there. Maybe I'll set up a Mastodon or something. I'll figure <laughs> that out later. But in the meantime, take care, everybody. Take care.